1: Hey guys, welcome to episode 502 of Talking Metal, a very special episode. I'm going to call it the Iron Maiden special. Joining me as co-host today and also the interviewer, Mitch LaFon. Mitch, how are you?
2: Good, good. Pleasure to be here. And by the way, uh, congratulations on 500. And uh, you had Nita Strauss on that one, who was one one of the Iron Maidens.
1: Yeah, so. that's true. Although she told me she wasn't ever an official member. It sounds like she was more just a, a gun for hire in that band.
2: Yeah, but still, it, it's, uh, we've got a whole Iron Maiden theme going on today. So yeah. Yeah, very much looking forward to it. Great band. A, a band I'd like to see at, of course, which festival? Heavy Montreal. Montreal.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It'd be great to see them there. And we have two of the three... Iron Maiden singers on the podcast today. We have not Bruce Dickinson, but Blaze and Paul.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I had a chance to interview both recently, and I also had a chance to hang out with Blaze at his show in Montreal, and uh, what an incredibly phenomenal show. Incredibly nice guy in person, too. Um, You know, he started the show on time, which is always a pleasure. Yeah. Uh, Did his songs, and then at the end did seven or eight maiden songs fear of the dark trooper a man on the edge and all this stuff just brought the house down and then when the show was over he stood on stage and he said listen folks i'm not going to my dressing room i'm going right there to the merch booth and he pointed to it because it was right next to the stage right and he sat there until the bar emptied and everybody either got a cd assigned um picture with him whatever you wanted and he didn't oblige you to buy the merch if you had a maiden album that you brought with you he'd sign that no twenty dollar fee no super duper deluxe package where you have to pay hundreds no and i mean absolutely rare 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 thing to see so so kudos and uh you know good on good on blaze so if he comes to your town go support him because he'll he'll take care of you
1: and the thing is both of these interviews, by the way, guys, have, have previously aired on Mitch's podcast, which is one-on-one with Mitch Lafon, which you can subscribe to on iTunes or you can listen to it through TalkingMetal.com or on Spreaker, whatever outlet you prefer. It's it's generally there.
2: Well, let's uh, just mention if you have yeah. a Google phone, uh, head over to Stitcher yes. because it's uh, very important.
1: Yeah, Stitcher and iHeart. And, two. Intu- and-
2: tune in stitcher spreaker in. itunes and iheart so there you go
1: yeah so so both of these interviews have aired on mitch's show and if you enjoy the interviews and you don't currently subscribe or listen to mitch's show definitely do yourself a favor and subscribe to it on itunes or or however you get your podcast so on that note i want to get into the the diano interview first yeah and let's listen to a little paul diano with iron maiden this is a song called "Remember Tomorrow" that Paul wrote about his grandfather. I believe he wrote the lyrics. It's one of a handful of of songs that Paul wrote with with Steve Harris and and the Iron Maiden guys. Uh, you know, he of course was a big part of those first two records, and again wrote maybe three or four co has three or four co writes with them. Uh, so again, this is "Remember Tomorrow" followed by. Mitch's interview with Paul Diano, original Iron Maiden singer.
3: Slowly.
2: We are speaking with Paul Diano. Good day, sir. How are you?
4: I'm very well. I'm cold, but not too bad. How are you?
2: Good. Good. Now, I know that uh, I spoke to you a couple of days ago, and you were, you were in the studio working on some new songs. How is that going? Well, we've got
4: four recorded already. Okay. Um, well, we just made the EP of the month, because all my band are German, yeah? Right. Uh, we're called The Architects of Chaos, they were my touring band, you know, doing some of the Maiden stuff and all that, but we decided to make it a proper band, which is fantastic, because I have done that for years, which is absolutely awesome. So we've done four tracks, um, gave it to, uh, you know, like, you know, Chicken out, trying to get a deal, we, we sort of got one. Uh, the thing is, uh, we made uh, the EP of the month, Metal Hammer and Rock Hard magazine, which is quite encouraging.
3: Okay.
4: Uh, I've just um, I've been messing around the studio, because i like to see what I've written. If it sounds as good, you know, when you're recording it as it sounds in your head. Right. And right. then I've, I've, I've got his bloody cold cup on the cancel it all.
2: <laughs> but uh, when you. Um when you say you're looking for a deal, is that something that's still important in this day and age? Can you not just sort of throw it up on iTunes or an Amazon and and just yeah, we
4: could, but we're old school. That's not you know what I mean. Okay. You know, I still believe in, in well CDs and vinyl. I got I haven't, I haven't got any vinyl anymore. I'm about three thousand punk albums from years ago, but um, now I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure about all that stuff. I'm not very computer
5: literate.
4: Okay. <laughs> now, well lady said. Buy an iPhone because they're really improved, and she's right. I can use one <laughs>
2: <laughs> now. When you when you uh, get in the studio, what what are you trying to do in terms of musically and sonically? Is it are you are you trying to sort of recapture what you did with Maiden or with Battlezone
4: or? Not a chance. Like... Um, no. no, it's sort of well, it was you know it's it's good good classic every metal, but it's a bit more you know a bit more of a modern twist on it. I'm, anyone who's seen me play live and that, you know, say, I said I sort pretty much came from sort of hardcore called punk before going to met, sort of you know metal and Maiden and all that stuff. So you know, I can do the death growls a lot better than some of the other ones who do it all the time. So yeah, we, we mix it up a little bit. It's great, you know, it's good fun.
2: Now, now you mentioned that you had a bit of a cold coming on. Let's talk it about it. Let's talk a little bit about your health. Uh, you injured your knee a, a few years uh-huh. ago.
4: How bloody is that hell. doing? It's not doing good at all. Okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you the reason why. Because I should have had a, a new knee put in about seven years ago, mm-hmm. and I haven't done anything about it because I'm always too bloody busy. And you need about eight to nine weeks off to get it done. And but, funny enough, over the last about well, last year is getting worse and worse. You know, the I think it's uh, beyond repair now. Well, I suppose I'll have it done eventually. But, uh, you know, I keep filling up with fluid every now and again. Um, yeah, but, you know, yeah, I grin and bear it, mate. That's it. You know, I'm a tough boy. I'll take it.
2: <laughs> right, right. Because I also know that a, a couple of years ago there was a... Um... An announcement said that well because of your health mostly your knee that you were going to do sort of a farewell tour but you haven't you haven't gone away and, and we don't want you to go away you keep going so. Oh thanks for that well
4: no I sat there and thought about it and thought about it and right. um, you know oh, I just sat there and I thought what the bloody hell am I going to do myself you know and there's only so much fishing I can't get my leg over the RV probably without it killing me. So you know, so I'm pretty buckled on so, that one. And I sat there and discussed it with my missus, and my missus is in the states, and that you know, and she's done to me, um, oh blimey, if you get over here, I think I'll murder you after about a month. And I thought, yeah, she's probably right. So we, you know, we we, we sort of, uh, I decided to carry on. I want to be around to piss a few more people off. Good.
2: That, that's what <laughs> that's that's what this fan wants to hear. More Deanna was always good. Now you you mentioned the states. Um, you've had some trouble getting into the States to do some gigs yeah. ha- has that all been cleared up? Are are you good to go now? Well, I've played
4: i played there a few times, not I, recently. Uh, okay. I've been back now for three more years again, but uh <laughs> excuse me. Um yeah, we've had a lot you know, it was a bit difficult, you know, you screw up one time which over like twenty odd years ago and they don't forget, do they?
2: No, they don't and it was
4: and then all of a sudden, I was mean, sort of kicked off into Canada, which really peed me off yeah. because I like to do this um, bloody rehabilitation thing, you know, which I've got to fill in and all that now. You know, so uh, yeah, you know, it can be done since at the minute. We've been concentrating on Europe, Japan, Australia, New Zealand and elsewhere around the world. I've been to Vietnam this year and Singapore for the first time, which is absolutely awesome. Um, Vietnam and I have a that's for sure. But, um, yeah, it's really good, so, you know, we've got, and um, I've been concentrating a lot on Europe and that, but also trying to get this
5: album
4: done. Right. Uh, yeah. we're still waiting for the budget to come through from the record company, but said, we've done a four track on our own back at our friend's studio in Germany. So, uh, yeah, so, um, hopefully with a new management, and all that we'll we get everything sorted out, you know, I can, I can go to play in America on a work visa, but I can't jump on the plane and go and see my wife and kids. Yeah. Which is- pain in the arse to be honest with you. Yeah,
2: a bit a bit strange. But but hopefully you can play Canada and, and the States. Uh, that that's certainly important. Yeah,
4: I'm I'm sure I'm sure we can. you know, we've got to get as I said now, it's all down to the right management and stuff like that. We've had quite a few great offers from management and that, but um, you know, I've um, always been a bit reluctant to um Slime so with American management, to be quite honest with you, I think just like you know, if I need not done like immediately, you know, like it's really difficult because you know, of the time differences and stuff like that. So, um, you know, but there's a few offers come up and, um, you know, we put a few feelers out and people got back to us and it's all very positive at the moment. So um got loads more coming in later on, which is, come uh, oh, I've never got over this cog and I'm going to get any bloody rest. But um, you yeah. know, it's all looking all right at the moment. It's just a scary time, you know, because me and my manager, Lee,
5: right.
4: we've been together from, probably, you know, best mates. That's the thing, we've born in the same bloody hospital. Um, you That's know, right. in London, we was born in the same hospital, me and him, in London. You know, but like he's a couple of years older me, but like you know, we've sort of grown up around each other for all our lives. It's been re- it's, it's really quite a scary time, actually.
2: Yeah, and of course, Lee, the manager you're talking about, was of course mm-hmm. in uh, Fastway, the uh, other mm-hmm. band from the UK, another great band. But uh, yeah. but Lee, for some reason, is going to be unable to continue that management role, from what I understand. So.
4: Yeah, you know, at the moment, yeah. He's, he's not been very well at the minute. So, like, bless him, work like, Yeah, well, I, you know, he's, I think he's got an upcoming marriage coming on soon and all that stuff as well, you know. So, like, uh, and he needs a rest, a poor old boy. Same as I do. <laughs> same as you do.
2: But l- let's go back historically uh, about management. And, and I'm sure I'll get your blood boiling on this one. But, oh, great. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, isn't that going to be fun? But one, one of the first managers you had to deal with was, of course, Rod Smallwood. And, fantastic bloke, <laughs> yeah, and 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 I think you described him one time as being Mussolini's brother or, or something to that effect. Um,
4: oh, he's probably me off that day. but nah, Rod's <laughs> a, a, a fantastic, fantastic right. bloke, mate. I'll tell you. You couldn't really want for a better manager, to be honest with you. Um, but um, I can imagine. I don't know if that'd be a good idea. <laughs> you know, I haven't approached him or anything. We haven't been approached by him. But it would be awesome if he did. But uh, there you know, it,
2: it certainly would. I mean, listen, he did. He did great things with Maiden. But let's go back to that. Those those early Maiden days. Um, when you came into the band,
4: yeah. sort of.
2: Sort of let's just start there. How was it? Because the band had had was already existing. They they had already they had one singer before you. And, I had two before. Me. Oh, that's right. They had two, and <sighs> but, but you came in and and your voice seemed to click. Uh, tell me about sort of meeting them the first time and what was sort of
4: the plan. Well, there wasn't a plan. That's the thing. Because you know, as I said, I grew up with punk. But um, a friend of ours, a guy named Trevor Searle. He knew me and he knew Steve. And, and Steve was just leaving high school and I was just joined in the same high school, you know. And, you know, Trev knew I played in like this really little sheep punk band sort of thing. With yeah. a great name called Cedar Files. Fantastic, that was. <laughs> and, um, you know, and um, he knew Maiden was looking for a singer. And he it, it was that's when we sort of trying to put us together. And me and a friend of mine, Loopy who also went on to work with Maiden, was like, you know, we went down to see Maiden play down the carton horses with... um. I think it was Denny Wilcox singing, and I thought, "Oh, blimey, yeah. no! I don't want to get involved. I don't want to get involved in this in any way, shape, or form." But in the end, I went around to Steve's house, and um, he started playing me some of the stuff which, you know, which became Iron Maiden. Right, and it was absolutely fantastic. I loved it, and uh, I don't know, I just all seemed to click into place then.
2: Yeah, you know that that first made an album is really a greatest hit. I mean, Running Free, Remember Tomorrow, <laughs> Phantom of the Opera, uh, Charlotte the Harlow. Uh, I mean, those songs are still played today by the band. They're still revered by <laughs> and you, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know what? What was it like recording those songs? And and I asked this. It's sort of hard, but did you figure? Wow, with Remember Tomorrow and stuff, we have something special. Or
4: do you think... Well, I knew I knew when I wrote the lyrics and that with it, that I thought it was, you know, I thought it was pretty good. That how we were running free as well. Um, uh, I don't know. It's, you, you just don't, you don't really think about it. Well, you, you're just so happy to be able to get a chance to get your music out wow. and then go to a play. Oh, God, the cops are outside. It's not my job. I didn't do it. Um, anyway, so... Um, <laughs> not again. Uh, no, it was just really, really happy just to be able to... You know, the music was playing live on stage every night and getting great fans and, you know, loads of people turning up, uh, just a great opportunity to actually get the music out and so people would go and buy it. We're sort of, um, oh, really, 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 really happy about it, you know what I mean? But I didn't think we were, I sat there and I thought, wow, you know, this is going be the best thing since sliced bread, you know, but, um, it was all right, you know what I mean? Because I think it was all a bit too more modest than back then, back in then days.
2: Yeah. Now we're coming up to the 35th anniversary. Next year will be the 35th anniversary. Are, are oh, you I mean, planning? Are you planning on doing anything for it? Maybe doing a show where you play all the songs. Or no. This is what got me in trouble in the
4: first place. Now with all this stuff now because um. On the thirtieth anniversary, right. Maiden weren't doing anything to celebrate it and I thought, I'll solve it, I'll do it, you know. I wanna done quite a few of the songs in there and it's got i I've been stuck with it ever since. You know, going I will get a chance to play a few of my songs, a few battles home songs and kill the old killer's song, and that, but the most the majority of it's all been made up in the maiden stuff. Right. And it's weird because getting my own fans now coming up to me saying, Oh, buy me hurry up and do something. You know, let's do something different. I think I'm getting on their nerves. I'm pissing them off a bit now. <laughs> so I thought, right, well, okay, here we go. This we decide like doing do the architects of chaos and all that and get it all rolling. And so there's new material in there. And once we start with that, then we'll be sort of like lessening the maiden songs in there, which I think a lot of fans might be pretty happy about. Uh, they still come faithfully, bless them. Yeah. But um, you know, we've everything up a lot as well. when we play, it's nothing like a maiden player. That's a lot more sort of up to date if you like
2: yeah you, you know what's remarkable is it's been 35 years and, and the band has had incredible success with bruce and yet there are a, a, a legion of fans that say that you're the voice of made end of story it's, it's got to oh, feel kind of, so, somewhat rewarding to hear that right
4: it is it's very nice actually it's also yeah. nice for your peers that's the thing you know your band's like you know and Pantera was a basketball tour Metallica and all that, you know, I was meeting these guys and that. And they say, yeah, it makes you quite proud, actually. Yeah, you know pretty happy.
2: I can imagine. Now, around that, that same time, Maiden set out on a tour with you uh, to open for KISS. Yeah. What are, what are your summer, some of your memories of that KISS tour? Oh, well, I was never really into the band, to
4: be quite honest with you. You know what I mean? Um, um, right. but, Especially um, at that
2: uh, time where you were doing metal and they were doing sort of pop rock, right? Yeah, the
4: glam stuff. I think we done, uh, what was it we've done? I think it was uh, the Dynasty album, Dynasty album. We- we was on tour with the uh, I Was Made For Loving You Baby and all that stuff on it. Yeah. I mean, That's
2: it was sort of a special. weird mix to hear Running Free, I Was Made For Loving You. Yeah.
4: <laughs> we thought we were going to die a death, to be honest with you, <laughs> but we didn't, which is absolutely amazing. And the kids were fantastic to us. They gave us, you know, like, a good share of the lights and a lot of the stage and that. They were absolutely fantastic guys in the end of the day, you know what I mean? Um, I really, really got on very well with, like, um, Eric and stuff like that. And Gene was amazing mm-hmm didn't See Paul very much, but you know, but like yeah, those two was amazing. They were really great guys.
2: Did Did you get a chance to uh, go out and have a couple of drinks with Ace Fraley or, or or hang out at yeah, all? Yeah, we did.
4: Yeah, yeah, we did in Sweden. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I thought we'd keep away from that one. Actually, to be honest with
2: you, you, you don't want to tell me the uh, the Sweden Ace Fraley story.
4: <laughs> well he picked on somebody didn't he uh, like uh got his bodyguards to sort of uh help him out until <laughs> until you know it all started uh when the guy was going to attack him somebody we just laughed at it off to be honest with you <laughs> yeah i can imagine
2: it, it, what, a, what what must have been a crazy scene um after that success though with the first album because i'm 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 assuming that it must have done better than you ever thought it was going to do. You I mean you know, you know, here are some blokes from London. You know, you put out an album, you go, oh, and
4: it blew up. God, blimey, God um, God, blimey, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. I, I, I can't put it into words even today. It was absolutely. I was absolutely gobsmacked, as we say. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't know what the hell was going on after, after that. You know, I was saying over here, I was, I was in days. On, you know, you know, it was uh, very, very, very. ooh. I can't find the words, Mitch. I just can't find
2: the words. Amazing. It was really
4: good. Gratifying. But
2: going into the second album though, mm. um, w- which has my personal favorite uh, Maiden song of all times, Wrath Child on it. I mean, that's 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 the song to me that, that says, this is Maiden, everybody else leave us alone. This. Well, How much pressure did you feel? Did, did management come in and say, okay, we've had a good run, now you have to have a hit single? Or did they just say, do what you do. How did they? How did you approach that section? Well,
4: album? we had we had a sort of it single running free, didn't we? Yeah, and that's so it. that. That was cool. But the thing is, there is like with with, with the killers album, I said I only got to write killers itself. Um, I don't know. It was it seems to have all changed a little bit. I mean, the, um, the, the first album was not the best produced album in the world, to be honest with you. No, it was. Somebody should actually, somebody should actually definitely do that again. You know, sort of uh, remix it. Or he recalled it or something, I don't know. Um, but the second album I, I wasn't really totally into it to be quite honest with you. It seemed to have sort of like got a little bit slower, a little bit more refined. It seemed we seemed to lose that sort of um that weird edge where anything could happen, if you know what I mean.
5: Yeah.
4: It sort of uh, it wasn't doing it for me. And then we had Martin Burchin as producer as well. You know, it was all great with deep purple and plant, you know, people like that. But I'm like, Oh yeah, bloody E. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it wasn't really a, a, a maiden kind of producer. Now, mm-hmm. you know, but, but after that second album and, and the touring and all that, um, at some point, the band and you decide to not work together anymore. And mm-hmm. you actually sold your, uh, what, what do you want to call it, publishing or, or your rights to anything maiden? <laughs> no,
4: only, only some of it. Only some of it because I wanted to get this bar together
0: okay
4: uh, that was the reason why only some of it not all of it. <laughs> that is what people keep saying okay no, well no, that's no, what no. I want to
2: clear up you didn't sell yeah. everything because okay because my question
4: was gonna get, be, well let's put it this way I still get royalties four times a year <laughs> oh okay see I,
2: I had understood that you don't and I was wondering if maybe my question would have been to you uh did you not think Maiden was going to continue and succeed sort of you thought well they're done oh, with no me. no okay
4: Oh, no, I thought they'd always carry on. No, no. Um, one member doesn't make the band. The, whole, the band as a whole is it, you know what I mean? Um, no, no, I never thought that in the in many years. No, I just want to get out of there, you know what I mean? It wasn't right for me at that time. And, um, you know, some people sort of say, oh, you should have got your act together and sort of, you know, carried on. But um, to me, I don't know, sort of, uh, the reason I sort of uh, had a bit of a weird turn is because like, I wasn't really getting into the music anymore.
2: Why not, though? Was it was it just...
4: Uh, was it The too... songs are different from the first. Yeah, the songs are too different from the first for me. And a little bit too more polished. You know what I mean? I didn't want them to sound as bad as the first album, but, you know, great songs, terrible like, production. But uh, could have been a little bit more in between as far as I'm concerned. But no, regardless, you know, Iron Maiden or Iron Maiden, they do what they do, you know? That's interesting. They'll that saw... keep coming.
2: That that's interesting that you say that they were too polished. Though, is metal supposed to be, for the lack of a better word, a little more dirty, not so glossy? I
4: think so. I okay. I, I I do think so in some ways. Um, but then again, I I wouldn't have spent all that bloody money on the Killers' Murder One album. You know what I mean? It was a hell of a lot of money, calling it the power station and everywhere else. Right. And um, you know, and that's quite a polished album. But there's still a little bit of menace in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, um, and yeah, that's that's yeah. what it's all about. For me, rock and is not supposed to be safe. It's supposed to be dangerous. It's not. And if, and God forbid, if my mum ever turned around and said, "Oh, we like your album," I know like, oh, back there. Sorry, i I'll blagged myself. <laughs>
2: <laughs> did, well, speaking of that, did, did did your parents ever say to you, "Hey, I, I love what you do in Maiden," or were they always sort of like,
5: oh, my <laughs>
4: "Poor boy, nah, not not a chance. Now, my mom, my dad's not here anyway. But uh, now, my mum uh, came down to see us play. Down at Amazon, you <laughs> and uh, I think she's a bit, bit shell shocked to be quite honest with you. Yeah. And um, she's not one of them sort of people, sort of, <laughs> sort of coming all this sort of thing. I think she thought it was a great hobby, but you know, maybe one day she's going to get a proper job.
2: But, <laughs> was she, was she, for the lack of a better word, embarrassed by you? Like when she would introduce no, you, no, say, no, "Oh, no, no. he's this
4: guy." No, 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 no. no. Okay. no I think I, No, I think secretly she's quite proud. Okay. I think she's still surprised. I think I'm surprised the hell out of her that we're still doing it. But I think at one stage, I thought she thought I might go back to being a butcher again or something like that. Well,
2: well that is the interesting question. What was Plan B? Let's say you make that first Maiden album and running free is a complete disaster. Nobody cares for it. The Kiss Tour, they throw you off. Everything's
4: bad. What was Plan B? Carry on, mate. Carry on regardless. That's the British way, isn't it? Yeah. So, there was <laughs> Eat no... calm and carry on.
2: So so you weren't going to be a postman or, or a butcher, like you said, or a bus driver. You were going to be a no. singer
4: regardless. Yeah, bugger that, mate. No, <laughs> time, once I got into it, that's all I ever wanted to do. And, and it still is now, you know. Yeah. Back to that thing about retiring. I just I thought, what the hell can I do? You know, I'll, I'll take my tattoo license and stuff like that. And I'm not bad at knocking up some like customized dollies and that, but, you know, it's a hobby. It's not really what I want to do for a living, you know, even though it's all got interest in all that sort of stuff and make a bit of money out of it. But uh, my primary thing is um, singing. Or, yeah. Well, loosely put, loosely put. So, loosely put but,
2: <laughs> but it's also got to be getting harder and harder as you get older. I mean, with the knee and the
4: well, this and the. I've got to tell you one thing, Mitch. with my voice, it's not. It's actually getting better.
3: Really?
4: I'm mean, in, I mean, in notes I've never written for like, a long time. As You know why? Because I don't faff about over it. You know, some people, uh, they're like, oh, it 's not like a cough. i have to cancel the whole show. The whole tour's going to be off. And all that stuff from before, he's like, oh, I didn't want to tour and stuff like that. Oh, bollocks, to be honest with you. Because if you look at my touring schedule, it's, it's brutal, normally.
5: Yeah, It makes
4: me my- yeah. But, you know, I do this five, six, seven days a week, something like that. And, um, I'm still hitting them notes and I'm really happy with what we're doing in the studio at the minute. I'm hitting those Rob Alpha can't hit that anymore, you know, so I'm doing I'm doing quite well, I'm, I'm really happy. And the reason why is because I don't faff about over it, a slight little cough. Oh no, that's it, everything's off, you know. Me, I don't take care of me, boys. I still smoke, still drink, you know, <laughs> still, still have it, mate. And, yeah, what That's what about am That's the way it's
2: supposed to be. Yeah. Now, um, you know, I, I grew up in the 70s and 80s and I watched much music and MTV and all those wonderful things. After you left Maiden, you formed a band called Battlezone. And there were a couple of videos that showed up on those channels that were bloody brilliant. Yeah. And then the band just disappeared. And, and going back, we know that the band itself was sort of a battle zone with a lot of infighting. Um, what 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 went right and what went wrong, and, and why not, since it was well, your band? No, what it was,
4: it was, we weren't infighting in the band. We was having an aggravation with our management at the time, an aggravation with the record company at the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> Excuse me. And then we found out we getting ripped off left, right, and center over in America. Okay. And, and anyway, regardless of that, uh, so we changed the name. And, uh, you know, we we changed drummers on the first album and bass player and all that. And, uh, you know, and... The other two guys from Battlezone at the time, we, you know, we, we went on to become killers with Cliff and everybody, and you know, and that was it. So, we, you know, we stuck it out from that. We changed the name for contractual reasons as well.
2: Okay, and that's and that's when you met. Um, uh, who was it? Uh, Arnie Goodman, the manager of Fastway. And is that how is that how you got to meet Lee? Oh,
4: no, uh, no, you, I've, known, no you... I've known Lee. i my not haven't I? <laughs> I've known Lee for years, years and years and years. I, I first went to see Lee playing about when I was about fourteen, you know. But no, no, no. I, I, but we knew Arnie. Arnie knew Cliff, and Cliff was from Tank and stuff like that from before and all that stuff. So you know, it just made sense that we all got you know got to meet each other. And uh, me and Steve and Cliff they um, got Killers together.
2: Yeah, and so so tell me a little bit about Killers then. So you changed the name for contractual <laughs> reasons, but. Yep. How did that work out? I mean, did, did, did the did the record company try to to sue you and shut you down? And and why did you start? Uh, we, just,
4: you? Like, we was fed up and we wanted to get out of it all. So we just said uh, we're breaking up and uh, change the name. <laughs> that was it. It's, it's, it's no, big, no big mystery. It's that's, a, you know, that's the way to do it, it. It's like if they're pissing you off and you're not getting on with them, just say, right, that's it. We've had enough. We're over. The band's broken up. And that's exactly what we did. And we changed you know, changed it all over. Change it all over.
2: Uh, Maiden was part of the new wave of British heavy metal. Yeah. You know, I've, I've had a chance to read up on that and study it. And, and of course, you know, I was a Def Leppard fan and a Maiden fan back in the day. But but looking back 35 years later, what what is, what is that? What, what it did it mean to be the new wave of British heavy metal?
4: Oh, God, oh, this is going to get some people's backs up now. I'm sorry, but I do not. Agree that Def Leppard, Motorhead, Judas Priest were new wave of British heavy metal because they've all had albums out way before Maiden. They'd already been touring. What it was, they didn't know how to pitch in whole iron on Maiden. We was, was we an heavy metal band? Was we a punk band? That's where we got the title of new wave of British heavy metal and everyone jumped on the bloody bandwagon.
2: Right. But, but 35 years later, though, it was an important movement, even though. Most of the bands that were part of that wave made one album or an EP and all sort of just vanished, right? Yeah. How mm-hmm. did how, how did Maiden pierce through? Was it just great songs or was it great performance?
4: I think a bit of both, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean the band was great live, fantastic, like you know, and they were great songs. Yeah, so that's the way about it. So yeah, let's move
2: back. Let's get back to 2014. So you've done these four new songs. Are you releasing yep. just an EP for the wider market, or are these four songs going to be part of a ten, twelve song?
4: Full yeah, album? it's going to be part of the album. Yeah, it's okay. going to, definitely going to be part of the album. As I said, I just spoke to my drummer Donnie today over in Germany.
2: Okay,
4: we're waiting for the record companies to give us the rest of the budget because, as I said, we recorded these four tracks on our own back, okay. and you know they're not fully fully mixed, but they sounded they pretty all right. And we're going to done them in about four hours. All the boys have done it a little. Bit longer than that. And but I flew over to Germany and done one in about four hours, so I've done pretty all right with that. I was all right. I was quite happy, and um, as I said, I'm, I'm just writing the lyrics. I've got another six finished, and that's ten already, but and I went into the studio the other day, as I said, to try to, how I've wrote them in my head, I want to see if they sound the same when I'm actually recording them, you know, with the melody line and everything, and then I've just got bollocks off with this cold now, so uh, we start again when I come back in September. Oh, good. I'll have to
2: go. When do you think it'll be ready and, and out for people to well, buy? we
4: Well, out by the end of the year.
2: Oh, good, good. And so here's the, 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 the million-dollar question. You know, we talked about Rathchild. We talked about Running Free. You go on yeah. tour. You still play those songs. Uh, yep. Fans show up to hear those songs. So why bother making new music? I mean, you you don't really need to.
4: Oh, oh yeah, well, you might as well say, well, this is the Las Vegas set, isn't it? You know, oh, fuck all that. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, oh, oh, we call it over in the Chicken in the Basket tour. You know, when you turn up at a cabaret (laughs) show and like you get your chicken in the basket and bottle of wine to come and see like some some old parcel playing like great, greatest things. No, I'm still worth a lot more than that, and I'm still writing music and I'm still singing fucking great. Yes, so yeah, and I don't want to change that in any way, shape, or form. So I'm like, so anyway, so we're sort of reducing the Maiden songs in the set. There'll be more of the architect stuff. I don't think we're going to do anything in the September festival in Belgium. Uh, I hope we do. We we played one live anyway. Um, It's by the wings of the angel of death we do. Uh, We've been doing it for a while. Uh, but We might have another one or two in the set at the minute. um, It's getting time to rehearse as well. The boys are well rehearsed. I'll just have to fly over and make sure I can remember the words. (laughs) No no auto cue yet, mate. I'm not not up for that one yet.
2: And I'll, uh, I'll I know that you, you do have to go rehearse and get stuff done, so I'll let you go in a minute. Um, you know, it's 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 interesting to to hear that you that you want to make new music because uh, so many bands that I talk to these days just say, "Meh, I'll just go play the ten songs the fans want to hear anyway." And uh, oh, that'll death for me.
4: As I said, I'm dying slowly. Keep doing all the maiden stuff over and over and over. <laughs> we had to uh, literally push to get a couple of Battlezone songs in and a couple of, ma- uh, a couple of um, like killer songs in there. But now, as I said, I've been doing it for so long, over and over and over and over, that the fans are actually coming up to me and asking me to hurry up and get on some new music, which is going to be awesome. I've got a new DVD coming out as well in, I think, October,
5: Right. Uh, oh, which yes. we
4: called with another band in Poland, we did it. Um, it, it came out pretty well. I think it's come out pretty well. I haven't actually seen it yet. Yeah? But well, we're getting some good reviews on that as well. But as with uh you know, as I said, I use different bands in different countries to keep ticket prices down. But well, I've done for so long that I've run out of money myself now, so I thought no, nah, I can't do this anymore. So I've got to uh get on with this. And apparently now yeah, it's getting some good reviews and that and uh we'll see what happens with that one as well. And I know I was singing fantastic on some of them nights, I know that for a fact. You yeah, know, it's it's amazing. It was so weird that um oh god, I can't remember the um Oh, that's right. Yeah, there's a load of police fans at the front of the stage. I was hitting some great notes, and they wouldn't let me get off stage until I'd done uh, the first verse of All Guns Blazing by Judas Priest. (laughs) Yeah, I I
2: was actually going to ask you about that. You do use different bands in different countries, but now you were talking about having a band. Are you yeah, going to go arch- back to having just a band and not use all the different guys from around? Oh no
4: no 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 no! I'll still go out and play you know, some of this Maiden and stuff here every now and again. But I've got the best of both worlds then. I'm like you know, okay. I mean, even the architects we still play some of the Maiden stuff in there as well. But out of the way we play, it's bloody heavy as hell. You know what I mean? It's probably like sort of more like Sepultura playing it, if you know what I mean.
5: Right,
4: right. Um, well, yeah, we put a better edge on it. You know, we we build it up into like this century and you know i'll tell you i've got two amazing guitar players with me you know i'm oh, smoking joey had a guitarist in germany he's amazing i've never seen him eat anything we don't smoke cigarettes drink coffee but um <laughs> he's chucking that guitar around like there's no bigger than no tomorrow on stage and oh he's got the fastest things i've ever seen you know he's, he's amazing so we yeah you know, we've got all the, all the all the right stuff here you know the guitar players are like, are like really shredding on the guitar as well but like the sound's a lot heavier as well which is you know, it suits me a lot better as well. So, And that means I can experiment then as well, hitting highs and real lows and then oh, wow. the, the mid as well. So it's just going good.
2: And, and I'll, I'll ask, I'll, I'll finish with this. Uh, one of the last things you put out was uh, a song that you did with Jake E. Lee with his Red Dragon Cartel uh, project yeah. album. Uh, how was it working with Jake? Did, was it actually done through the internet where you sent each other tracks or did you get in a studio together?
4: No, we didn't. No, 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 no. What it was his management sent the uh, song over to me and we did it in my studio here in England and had a little go at it and uh, sent it back to about three bloody times, pinky sods. And uh, <laughs> we sent one version over, I was having two versions over and uh, I was no, 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 not really sure. And then it went back to the original and like, oh, fucking hell, you know, what's the matter with you? Sort it out. <laughs> so we got it sorted in the end. And uh, yeah, I haven't actually heard the finished track myself.
2: I think it sounded great. I think the album sounded oh. great, and it was a nice return to form for Jake. I mean, he's he's one of these guitarists that should not have disappeared from the scene for so long. But so mm-hmm. it, it was nice to see the classic guitarist and the classic voice together on a track. I have to uh, I have to admit it was it was quite. Well, uh, I, I only
4: know I only know I don't know Jakey really really well, but we met up when I was living in LA quite a few times, even up, you know at the Rainbow and whatever. And uh, he's a nice guy, and I've got a lot of respect for him, and he's a fantastic guitar player. So, you know, there you go. Yeah. It was an honor. Man. It was
2: an honor. Absolutely. Um, well, of course, remind folks that there's a pauldiano.com to go check out. There's new music coming soon, and there's hopefully some uh, – there are dates in Europe and other countries, but hopefully North America, yeah.
4: Canada, you know, U.S. Oh, will get oh, stuff. Oh, for sure. I've got to do this. I want to get home and see my son as well, actually. But, listen, if you want to do this one, forward slash Architects of Chaos with a V, and there's a little there's a little teaser on there, so you can see a song called "Rejected." Oh, great!
2: That sounds great.
4: And then you get and then you get back and tell me if I'm not hitting the right high (laughs) notes.
2: I'll go check it right now, and I'll call you. I'll call you uh, later on, or I'll send you another uh, email. But I was
4: email, mate. All right, excellent. Absolutely. When you see Dave, tell him I said hello and good luck
2: absolutely i will of course do that but it's been a pleasure it's 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 fantastic and i'm very much looking forward to hearing those four songs of course feel free to send them to me anytime you
4: want uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I might send you a couple of them tomorrow if you're lucky <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah i'll keep my fingers crossed uh much uh, been a pleasure when the album comes out and so on and so forth let's let's do it again
4: absolutely mate it's no problem anytime yeah. mate you know i am always there Thank you. All right, cheers, mate. Bye have bye. a great day. Bye. See you later.
1: Mate. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. And there you have it, Mitch's interview with Paul Deano. Good stuff, Mitch. You recorded that probably what two months ago at this point, two and a half months ago.
2: Yeah, yeah, in August. And uh, you know, it's always a pleasure to speak to Paul. Uh, we uh, communicate by email almost on a daily basis.
5: Really? And, wow.
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, Paul. Paul, I've known Paul for easily 15 years or more, and uh, oh, it's has this been a pleasure. Uh Everybody has these horror stories that he's this and that. It's just absolutely charming with me. And of course, he's working on new material for a new album coming out uh in 2015. And uh, he's got a band now, Architects of Chaos. Uh, it's not just Paul D'Anno. You know, hey, he's another guy I'd like to see at Heavy Montreal. I'd like to see Maiden and Blaze, and all three of them there, and, and have this sort of Maiden day.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that would be great. I mean, and it's really a shame that he's never ever really had the opportunity to reunite with with Maiden. I guess there was some thing some where hate. Well, some there's hate. some hate. I know there was some some uh some Clive Burr benefit concert that certain members of Maiden I think performed on the same stage as him. I'm not sure you know if they were playing at the same time or what but uh Bruce Dickinson being one of them I think but um in general there's really been no reunion with him and the actual band Iron Maiden which which I I think is a is a shame because those first two Iron Maiden records for me personally they are of you know the 20 so studio albums that that Maiden mm-hmm. has at this point maybe not quite 20 um but you know the 15 studio albums that Maiden has at this point. They are two of the better ones in my, in my opinion.
2: Oh, they absolutely hold up. I mean, you know, that song that you played remember tomorrow is instant classic. And, uh, you know, if you haven't had a chance to hear the Metallica version of it or the Anthrax version of that song, I, I encourage you to check wow. that I out didn't, too. I
1: have not heard the Anthrax. I've heard the Metallica one, which is great, but I did not know Anthrax does
2: it. Yeah, they do. Uh, it was on that album that had the song Fueled. Um, uh, what was it called? Uh, oh, it had the, the, the massive ball of metal on it. Um, I'll, I'll look that up and tell you in a second. But Okay. Uh, yeah, great album. And it had uh, John Bush singing it. Wow, wow. Okay. And, and, it, and it was brilliant. Uh, so right that was Berlin.
1: before Metallica covered it.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, Long yeah. Before, Many probably. years before. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Interesting. Interesting.
2: But, uh, you know... Uh, you got those two bands, which people call the Big Four, part of the Big Four, and they pick that Maiden song to cover. So it tells you uh, how much you know the quality of that song. Um,
1: and yeah, by the, the way, just checking this on Wikipedia: fifteen, yes, fifteen Iron Maiden studio albums at this point. Wow! Yeah,
2: unbelievable. And you know they 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 just keep going. And uh, you know I always refer to to the Heavy Montreal Festival uh, last year. Of course, there was Metallica there. I think Iron Maiden is the band that can come in and bring in the fans to that same level.
1: I I would I would agree definitely and and Maiden even more so than than Priest or oh boy even you know you could even maybe Aerosmith I feel like do do well with with pulling in people to to shows. However, I don't feel like they have that devoted, hardcore fan base that a band like Maiden has. You know, and I think Kiss has that, too, to a certain extent. But it's uh, it's interesting how how strong it is with Maiden and Rush. You know, the, the mm-hmm. bands that, that were never really embraced by the, the mainstream, their, their their fans are just so devoted. And Maiden is one of those bands, like, I saw them in Newark, New Jersey on one, probably, like, three years ago two three years ago and the place was just packed you know there was no new album at that point they were just doing a tour and and uh, it just blows my mind that that they are consistently filling arenas what like 35 huh. years yeah. after the first record
2: yeah and and through three vocalist changes and and everything and uh, by the way the uh, anthrax album is stomp Four, four, two. It was a, a bonus track on that, and uh, okay. it was also on a album called A Tribute to the Beast, Volume Two. And right. uh, you can go check that out on YouTube as well. But uh, yeah, John Bush nailed the song. Um, yeah. Know. Well,
1: fifteen Iron Maiden records. The first two had Deano, and I guess you could say not not really the middle two, but let's see. This is probably like probably like uh, oh the tenth and the eleventh record because you know the x factor i believe that x standard for 10 and then there was virtual 11 which was their 11th record included another singer blaze bailey who we're going to hear mitch interview in yeah. just a few minutes and it's a, it's another great interview that i really enjoyed listening to on the one on one with mitch lafon podcast which is part of Doc- talking metal digital again Do yourself a favor and subscribe to that. But before we get into the interview, I just wanted to mention a great way to support Talking Metal is to support our sponsor, who is Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. I, I think it's just awesome that they automatically have this ability to set up an online store for you. You don't have to deal with setting up a, a credit card account. I mean, it, it's just major. It's just major. You can sell your stuff immediately using Squarespace as your as your website provider and the builder of your website. It, it's great stuff. I wish we would have had this when we set up TalkingMetal.com so many years ago. Uh, for a free trial of Squarespace and 10, 10% off, you can visit Squarespace.com and enter offer code METAL. T A L. You just do that when you're checking out, and again, you get 10% off. A better web starts with your website. Again, Squarespace, so simple and easy, beautiful designs, and 24-7 support through live chat and email. And that's in Europe and New York City uh, are the two locations that uh, you will be getting your 24-7 support from. Again, plans start at eight dollars a month and include a free domain name if you sign up for a year. And on that note, Mitch, we need to get into this interview with Blaze Bailey, but before yes, we do that, I want to hear this this song that I I feel like a lot of people don't know. It's off the Virtual Eleven album, which came out in nineteen ninety eight, uh, the year I actually saw Iron Maiden on this tour with with Blaze, and it was kind of sad because you know they had been playing arenas and here they were playing roseland you know in the biggest city in the country new york city with with I, I believe it was dio and i i feel like maybe motorhead i'm not i'm not sure definitely it was dio and maiden like the these two massive bands were downgraded to like a you know three thousand
2: right but everybody yeah. was and yeah
1: I'm... everyone was at that time it's true but um I, I enjoyed the show. At the time, I, I, I may have struggled a little bit with Blaze because I wanted to hear Bruce. Bruce, I guess. But it's funny because after he left the band, I really came to appreciate the two albums that he did do with, with Maiden. And especially the Virtual Eleven record, I feel like, has so many just hidden gems on it. And this is a song that you'll hear Blaze singing on. And Steve Harris wrote the song. And this is just classic Maiden, if you listen to the way it's written. It's called The Educated Fool, and we'll follow that with an interview that Mitch conducted with Blaze Bailey.
3: I'm an
6: educated fool, so I don't know what it is I'm supposed to do about like this awkward situation. Has been forced out upon me, as I'm walking down into Am my own into the valley of life Got a lifetime of experience Yeah, I've got so much to give Open the page in chapter one Could this just be that life's just begun Forever within your darker thoughts Reflecting on
5: everything you've been taught Never felt this way before Seems that somebody's just opened the door To the book of life or is it death? Is there ever any way out? Someone's looking down on me To the very inner core of my soul They will tell me what they see But I really want to know I want to live my life on my own I want to live the unturned stone I want to walk right into the fire I want to live out all my desires Telling, do you really want to be Just another one statistic I feel that you really should aspire That you really do deserve more Do you ever really feel That you have so much potential inside What you really have to give Could be realized much more I want to live a life on my own I want to live the unturned stone I want to walk right into the fire I want to live on all my desires I want to go and see the my burn I want to see and feel my world turn I want to know all my got that's to learn I want to pass the point of no return Time!
2: with Blaze Bailey, formerly of Iron Maiden, and of course, Wolf Bane, and
6: the Blaze solo band and all kinds of How you doing there? Good. Very, very good. Um, I'm actually naked right now. <laughs> uh, so That's why I like I, to do all my interviews. I mean, Yeah, I'm enjoying this interview, and you know, I'm fresh out of the shower. I want it to smell good for my fans out there. Yeah. yeah. No. They like these Skype interviews. Yeah, they like my fans like to imagine me, you know, so, well some of them anyway. Well, one of them likes to imagine me uh, unclothed. So yeah. uh, so that's it. That that's how
2: that's how all my listeners like to imagine me too, quite frankly. So yeah. I, I understand now. He's a horror show then. <laughs> it is a horror show. <laughs> yeah, it's it's sort of like the uh, uh Jason or Friday the 13th um, you know Freddy Krueger to mm-hmm. Brought to podcast Now in the background there I hear the sounds of your Daughter,
6: How, how's that going How has fatherhood changed um, Well it's, it's It's an unusual thing because I spent most of my life uh, Putting my music first And going right I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to be in a place where I'm even going to have pets let alone children right. And uh, And you know Things changed in my life, um, and uh, I met the right—I was with the right person, and we had the same kind of values about bringing up uh, kids. And we were very lucky uh, that we were blessed with a daughter. So, uh, so that's weird. It, the the hardest part of it is being away because it's like, well, you actually have a home and you actually have something that you want to go back to. Yeah, um, a lot more. You know, before, if it's just you and your partner, it's like you can phone up oh, will come and visit me while I'm on tour or spend a couple of days with me. But now you always want to go home. and Well, I do. I always want to go home and be with my family. So it's, um, it's a bittersweet thing in many ways. You have this wonderful uh, experience uh, which is so rich and varied at home which you can't even dream what that's going to be like um before you you have kids and then you're away from home and uh, the weird thing is is uh, as i've as i've gone on and i've got older and the further away i seem to get from iron maiden in time then the more people are interested in blaze bailey and, and what i'm doing and um, I, I'm doing more shows now, and I'm busier than at any time since I left Iron Maiden, yeah. and uh, and that's that is a, a quite a spooky thing. I, I, at a time when I thought, well, I'll be settling down, um, you know, people are really interested in me, so that's a, a really nice, a nice thing for me. It's it's more difficult to go away from home, but now. You know, I can spend more time away because I'm on tour and and doing different things. Yeah,
2: so let's talk about that. You know, we're oh, we got an echo, but you're you're coming out to Montreal soon.
6: Yeah, I'm very excited about coming out to Canada, and uh, I'm going to be doing Montreal, Quebec, Ottawa, Kingston, London, and Toronto, and. It's my first time in Canada since I'm Maiden, and I'm wow. so excited about it. And uh, I've been in touch with a band there called um, Maiden Quebec. Yes, And Quebec. They've been rehearsing really, really hard. And the set list is going to be a combination of some of the songs from my era of Maiden and some of my own songs that perhaps people aren't familiar with because I've never had the chance to tour Canada. I was invited there by some of the few um, last year for their album release and I absolutely loved it. So I gotta thank those guys from some of the few. They just treated me like a king and I sang a couple of songs with them. And, and now I'm doing a full tour of Canada. So uh, I'm, hoping it's not the, I'm hoping it's not the last time. I'm hoping it's the first of many trips where I can come and play my music. And I hope that Canadian fans are interested in what I do and like what I do.
2: Yeah, I think they will. And, and it it, 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 speaks, it is... It's, oh, uh, I've got an echo going on today. It, it speaks to the power of Maiden, though. The fact that... You know, it's got a sort of a Star Trek a Star Trek effect that anybody who's associated or touches that band,
6: the fans just stay with you, right? Um, I think really I'm a slightly different case to the norm right, because right. Um, when I joined, there were a lot of people who just resented me and actually hated me for being in Maiden because... Uh, they blamed me for Bruce leaving, which is, you know, a a classic girlfriend problem where you blame your best, you blame your friend for your girlfriend leaving you, I don't know, whatever. But a lot of people didn't want to listen to me. And um, it was a a very different time for Maiden. The music business was changing, Uh, MP3s, uh, were coming and hardware was starting to disappear. CDs were, CD sales were sat down for everybody worldwide because, you know, bits of plastic weren't selling anymore. And it was a time when um, people didn't want, a lot of old school Maiden fans did not want Blaise Bailey to be the lead singer. And now 20 years on, there are a few people that saw I Am Maiden with me the first time and then there are some other people who never saw I Am Maiden with me but are interested to see what it was about. And, um, and now people are much more open to listening to Blaze Bailey and the songs that I've done, and, and now my Silicon Messiah album, which is the first album that I did after Maiden, mm-hmm. um, it is doing really well, you know, for me. I'm completely independent and uh, I'm not in many shops. I have some distribution, but I do everything myself with my wife. My wife is my manager. She does all my bookings. I have a couple of agents that I work with, but I don't have a big record deal. I'm not signed up to a record label and I won't be signing up to a record label. Every album that I've made since I made it, Uh, I licensed, and now I own them again. Um, It's that long. So when somebody buys my CD, the money doesn't go to uh, a, a record company or, you know, some anonymous corporation. It goes directly to me, and I use that money to pay my rent, feed myself and my family, and put money away for the next CD or DVD, whatever I'm doing. So people who... Get on board with me. People who support me directly support me. And uh, it's not that many people, but they are so loyal. And uh, I'm really excited about coming to Canada and playing there, just like I played in Australia for the first time. There were fans I didn't know I had. So I'm very excited about coming to Canada and uh, doing my absolute best for the fans there. It's been a long, long time that I've been waiting to come back, and I'm very excited about it.
2: Yeah, we're excited to have you. Now, the the last album you did was a five-song, and I'll call it an EP, called Russian Holiday in 2013.
6: Uh, What's next in terms of new material from you? Um, I've done a best-of album, which is called The Soundtracks of My Life. That's got two new songs on it, and it's 30 songs overall. Some of them are rare ones that you couldn't always get. And the, the rest of them kind of sum up my favourite songs to play live in, my, uh, in the last 30 years. And, um, and now I'm working on a DVD to okay. go with that. So it's of My Life CD and there's a DVD soundtracks of my life dvd to go with that that should be out in november and now while those things are coming out i'm able to start thinking of new material i'm talking to a couple of different people i have a couple of different people that i write with and i'm planning a, a full studio album hopefully for the end of 2015 and uh, I'm very excited about that. I just have a load of notes and bits and pieces and odd melodies and scraps of music and a, a riff here and a riff there and a couple of ideas what it will be about. And um, it's I've got enough time and enough very long, boring journeys to uh, to try and get something together. So I'm very excited about it. So um, So that's what I'm looking forward to. So... Soundtracks of my life really brings me up to date and says, right, this is what I've done. And a lot of times people will come to my show and they'll see my CDs and say, well, which one should I get? And it's always very difficult because I, I love them all. My heart and my soul is in every CD that I did. So now I can say, get this one. It's got 30 songs and it's a bit of everything. Start there. So uh, so that's that's what I'm doing. It's a good starting point. So let's talk a
2: little bit about Iron Maiden. Uh, you know, before the X Factor was a TV show on on on, the, on t- you know on television and stuff, it was an Iron Maiden album. Uh, talk to me a little bit about how the band approached you in terms of the process. Did they say, Blaze, we want you to write with us, we want you to be um, involved, or did they say, Listen, well,
6: what you, happened was. Uh, 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 they held auditions and I auditioned alongside everybody else, you know, uh, and I learned the same songs everybody else learned. And, um, and I was very, very lucky that, uh, that I, that they chose me. I don't know why, you know, my voice is so different to Bruce, but I think maybe that's why I think I was, I was somebody that was different, but perhaps could bring something to the, uh, to the old songs. And, when we started, Steve Harris said to me, nothing is written for the album. We all write together. Uh, the most important thing is that it's good. Uh, Steve Harris said, I don't care who writes the songs, who writes the music, but it has to be great. And that's how we started. So I was free to put forward as many ideas as I wanted, and um, and everybody did, and you know, six, I think, six of my ideas actually made it to the album and another couple of ideas were B-sides. So it went really, really well and I'm so proud of the music that we did together. And uh, it's a real different part of Iron Maiden's career because it's a, it's a time when things are going more progressive and the kind of darkness uh, in my voice was something very different and... Some of the songs like "Lord of the Flies" and "Judgment of Heaven" and "Sign of the Cross" um, and "Look for the Truth." Those songs really are me in a way, you know. I really feel them, and my voice is uh, is just a part. It's a part of it, you know. And I still enjoy doing those songs now. What What kind
2: of pressure was Iron made in? under at that time you know bruce was loved by many fans did they say listen we're just going to make an iron maiden album and it'll be what it'll be did the record company say wow yeah, that,
6: was, that um, was it because um in the very early years then they battled with the record company when uh nick mcbrain joined iron maiden yeah then the record company said we can't have an album like this that starts with drums We can't have these drums. They sound really weird. We're worried about the fans not accepting it. And that was the time when Steve Harris uh, and the rest of the guys said, right, the record company are now banned from the studio. And uh, they were never allowed to hear anything that Iron Maiden had recorded before and ready to press and they didn't have any input on it and Maiden really fought hard for that because you know when uh, the record company is normally the one with all the money uh, and all the power and they fought and fought and that's and they got that so when we were working on the X Factor it was well we don't know how it's going to turn out we just want it to be good and uh, a lot of it is absolutely great. You know, there are some songs that really last on there. Sign of the Cross is a huge, huge song. Every time I go to Brazil, there's no way I can get away without playing Sign of the Cross. And uh, Man on the Edge people still like as well. So yeah, yeah, no, there was no pressure from the record company. I think all of the pressure came from just within the band to make something really really good and everybody was nervous you know except me everybody was nervous to to see oh are the fans gonna like it for me i wasn't nervous i was just like well i mean i made maiden and it's great for me uh, you know that's when, when the album came know, out long tour so that's it
2: yeah it became a long tour when the album came out and the first reviews started coming in and to be perfectly honest, right, they were, they were somewhat lukewarm. They weren't, you weren't getting all kinds of accolades. Was there a sense of panic in the band? Did,
6: did Steve come to you? No, it's no there's no panic at all. It's just, well, we just do what we do. That's it. That's the attitude of Maiden. And that's why, uh, they've been, uh, at some point in their career, being unpopular with, their own fans, but their own fans have stuck by them because that's exactly why you do stick with. I made it because they do exactly what they want to do, because they follow their instinct. It may not be what you would have chosen, but it's what they choose to do, and it makes sense for them at the time. So there was no panic like that; it just kept going. And to be honest, uh, the the worst reviews were in English. So if uh, in the UK and USA that's where the reviews were the worst and that's where the attendances were the worst. But, um, everywhere else things went great. Okay. You know, in, uh, in Scandinavia, we played with me in the band and with the X Factor as the album, we played, Iron Maiden played bigger shows than they ever did with Bruce. Um, so that was a real turnaround. They were slagging us off in the UK. The UK press was saying, oh, it's all over for Iron Maiden. And we were on our second tour of Spain in six months playing all the, the not they call it the, you know, the, there's the big cities, then they call it the B cities, playing to 10,000 people every night. And people are saying it's over. Well, we just just ignored it, really. Okay. France, we had incredible reactions. The support of the French fans, ah, oh, was just great. So it was our the, the reviews weren't great. I think it was it, it was so different, but in in some places the reviews are absolutely fantastic, and in some places it's people's favourite album is the X Factor, which you would think of the Beast or some. In time or Seventh Son, but no, in some places, X Factor is people's favorite album. So, um, so we, we followed what we wanted to do, we kept going and we, we didn't bow to any pressure. Did the record company panic? Um, I think they might have done a bit, but I think they did more on the second one, maybe because that's you know, it was after the second one that's when Bruce came back, and I think they really needed. I think the record company really put pressure on the management to say, we've got to have something here to, uh, you know, to talk about. We can't just have a third album with you, uh, you know, from Iron Maiden with a new singer. We, we've got to have something. And Judas Priest had a re- had uh, a reunion. Deep Purple had a reunion. Black Sabbath had a reunion. All of these people, these big bands, you know, from... Uh, from the mid and uh, late '70s, so having reunions, and yeah. um, Kiss was w- one of them. Yeah, Kiss. It was working, and and that's what happened. So after Virtual Eleven, that was it. Bruce was back. I was out, and you know, in a slightly different configuration to what other bands had done. Maiden had their reunion, and uh, and they managed to build on that success. When uh, Virtual.
2: Eleven. I have a tendency to say X one, but when Virtual Eleven came out, and again there were some of these unfavorable reviews. Um, did the band just say, "Listen, let's just get back into the studio and make a third one"? Or is that really what they Uh, said? uh, We were still on tour. Okay,
6: we were on tour. You know, this is a—it's a massive thing. So it's nine months when that tour starts, man. It's a—I don't know—it's an intergalactic freight train that you can't get off. It starts, it starts moving and that's it. It's going and it doesn't stop until the journey's over. So, um, yeah, it was, I had ideas for a third album and uh, I, I had some melody ideas and lyrics and, and things like this and I thought, oh, this is something I'd like to work with Steven, and there's another idea I'd like to work with Dave and Yannick. And, but, um no, we we finished in Brazil in December, and in January I was fired.
2: Yeah, how how did you take that firing? Were, were, um, you, were, just, you, were you
6: relieved, or were you like? No, no it was a complete shock. Okay, it's a total shock to me. You know, there I was working on lyrics and songs for a third album, which I thought I, you know, in my own foolish heart, I thought this is really going to turn things around. Fans are going to see when they hear the third album, and it's so positive with all of these great ideas on um, the and great live songs. People, the the fans are going to go, wow! No, this I now I understand why Blaze is there. This is really good, um, but I, I didn't get that chance. So all of those ideas that I worked on, I kept for myself, and I put them on my Silicon Messiah album. And uh, and that was it, really. I think at the time I was I was very upset. Just at the, at the time, I mean, they for me Iron Maiden has to continue. The world is a better place for having Iron Maiden in it. The music business is a better place for having somebody like Iron Maiden in it. Yeah, Absolutely. But um, but I thought I'd be a part of it, so but I wasn't was resentful it. because those guys have worked worked their whole adult lives to make this thing happen, and they've sacrificed so much to get there that, well, if if that's what they feel they have to do to continue, sometimes difficult choices have to be made, so, so that was it. I, I didn't resent them for it, but it was a shock because I thought I'd be making a third album, so it took a long time to recover from that. I got I got a band together real quickly, wrote my songs, and got them recorded and ready for release on the christmas but uh, that was it That's, uh, there was no way there's nobody was interested in signing me up or anything and my album came out on the same week as I made and so silicon messiah was totally in the shadow of brave new world and i didn't the management and uh, everybody else they didn't book one single gig not a tour, not a gig, to promote that album, Silicon Messiah. So I knew then, really, well, that's that's the real story, that nobody takes me at the management, nobody takes me seriously as an artist. They don't think I have any value whatsoever, and uh, that's it. Really, I'm on my own now. Was
2: there? You said you weren't resentful, but was there any anger at any time between the firing and now the management uh, started saying well you got no I, value
6: that that's just a natural uh, that's just that's why everybody feels angry It's stages of grief isn't it right. anytime you lose something i'd lost i'd lost a future that i thought i was going to have so you grieve over these things so it's just a natural thing sometimes you're angry sometimes you're emotional you know sometimes you feel sorry for yourself uh, these are just natural things that you that you go through and you have to endure and experience these things to get to the place where you can accept what has happened and have the value of the experience as a lesson in your life. Um, that's the well. That's my opinion. And now it's well, man. It's twenty years ago. Right. So, so what was the it's lesson? I don't. It's twenty years ago. So now I'm at the best point I've ever been in my life you know i would never have thought that but now uh, i do everything on my own terms i work with lots of different musicians i when i make my solo albums i make the music i want to make with people i want to work with i have the most incredible loyal fans around the world man it's just incredible so it's it's the best really this is the best part of my career as a musician i'm not trying to be a big star i'm not interested in playing stadiums i i like to play small places and sometimes i have to play you know places that are a bit bigger because i'm more popular in in some places but really i just like to get up close and personal i'm not a rock star i'm just uh, a singer i love to sing and uh and I like to meet my fans. I like to do. I like to sign and have photos. and Meet everybody after the show, and uh, that's the important part of it. You know, I, I just feel incredibly blessed, fortunate. I, I feel privileged to have the support that I do have. I'm a a, a tiny artist. I'm a cult artist, and just a, there's a, just a few thousand people that know about me in the world of music or heavy metal even and uh but those few people just stick by me so much man i'm so proud and uh i'm very very lucky to have such loyal support from my fans
2: absolutely Absolutely. let me quickly ask you about steve harris he's you know essentially he's mr iron maiden uh, tell me about working with him. What was his work ethic like? What was his drive like? Did you learn um, anything from him?
6: Well, he's an incredibly generous person. In the, uh, you know, when it comes to the writing, you know, always listening to your ideas. He helped me shape a lot of my ideas, and I learned so much from him. I mean, this is a guy that's written classic songs of all time in music not just heavy metal but in music some of his songs are absolute all-time classic songs and uh, just as much as uh, just as much as queen or anybody else so you there's a le- certain level of respect there and to have the insight into how he's done some of these incredible songs, songs that uh, you've lived with as a heavy metal fan, you know, since you start listening to metal, um, was just incredible. That was an incredible experience. And, and those are the lessons really that those lessons that I learned from Steve Harris and having Man on the Edge as the first single from the X Factor, that's what gave me the confidence, um, through some very dark times to keep going because I thought, well, if I wrote all the lyrics and the melody to Man on the Edge and I was a part of writing, I wrote Future Real with Steve Farris, I wrote uh, Virus for Best of the Beast with the band, you know. uh, So I thought, well, if my songs were good enough to go on and I made an album, then my songs are good enough and I, I don't have to question that. It's just I have to make sure that I keep pushing myself to produce the best work that I can. And um, that's the main thing that I learned while I was in Iron Maiden, and I just keep going with that. I just try and do the best work that I possibly can and keep reviewing it and looking on it before I release it. And sometimes I'm really happy, and other times I go, well, it turned out how it turned out, i'm gonna you know i'm gonna try again on the next album to create the ultimate classic metal album ever and uh, that's always my goal to do that
2: were you surprised after bruce came back that the band continued to play some of your songs
6: uh, man on the edge being one of them no no not at all because all of that music is iron maiden music it's not like i didn't exist it's we did two big tours together. We had two albums, both of them sold a million. Um, so it, it's it's a part of it. It's a part of saying, you know, Maiden have always played something from their first album going right through. So that that was it. It might just makes sense. You always play stuff from your last album and you, uh, you nearly always play like one or two of the key songs from each album. So it just makes total sense. And it just shows that it was about the music and uh, that my involvement with Maiden was about the music and all of that. It was nothing to do um, with, you know, that the music wasn't good enough or anything like that. It was just a reunion. They needed to get people interested. record company needed to feel that they had to get people interested.
2: Yeah, and I'm, I'm very impressed with Maiden for doing that, because you look at, you know, David Lee Roth, it won't touch any of the Sammy Hager stuff. You look at Motley Crue, they won't touch any of the stuff with John Karabi.
6: It's a shame, man. It's, it's very limiting, that is. It's it's saying, well, I didn't really mean this when I did it. <laughs> well, it but is. That's what it's like. It's, I, I go back and uh, uh, sometimes, you know, in some places, I've been going a long time in parts of Europe, and I don't play much of my old maiden stuff because I've I've already played it to the to my fans. Uh, but in other places then I play a lot more. And I I really enjoy singing those songs, you know. It's, a, it's a great sense of pride for me that um that I was involved in that. And it's a I think it's a real shame that for me I'm a fan of ACDC and if they said, we're not going to do another Bond Scott song, I think there'd be some kind of revolution. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, uh, uh, so that, that's the way I feel about it. I, I think it's very limited, to, uh, very limited, but I can't say. I am not. I haven't worked with those people. I met Nicky Six many years ago at Donington, and uh, we, we had a conversation there, and... Uh, yeah, we, we we got on okay, but, but that's it really. I met Dave Lee Roth when I was recording my first album in uh, in Los Angeles at Sound City Studios when I was in Wolf'sbane, and uh, you know had a chat with him. I admire his work as well, but really, I, if it was if it was me, I'd I'd be going well. I, you know, it's not that you can't sing these Sammy Hagar songs. It's some of these songs are really nice. You know, they've got a great groove and people liked them and the band performed to thousands of people singing these songs. So why wouldn't you want to relive, uh, you know, give people, uh, give fans, just say, hey, remember this one that we used to do? I don't know. I think it's a bit arrogant. Uh,
2: uh, Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I would love to see, you know, Motley Crue do Hooligans Holiday or, or Van Halen do Right Now, but, you know, neither here nor there uh, you know we, we had said that we were going to do 20 minutes so let me ask you a, a couple more questions and then we'll
6: we'll, we'll wrap up. Okay. Uh Wolfsbane anything going on there's been on and off yeah, for you and show It's shows. all going on. It's all going on, but it's going on in secret. <laughs> uh so, a lot of secret. Yeah, well we're saving the world. You know, our last album was called Wolfsbane saves the world and we are four superheroes that get together and use the power of our music every time the world is threatened. Uh, so our last CD, Spain Saves the World, I think uh, you can uh, check us out at wolf, wolfsbanehms.com. And uh, it's a really, really cool album. Um, and it's just a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun uh, doing our Spain stuff. We all live now four individual lives, so we struggle to find time to get together to actually make music or even do a gig. But we're always trying to do that, so keep an eye out for us. We we haven't stopped. We're just dormant at the moment. Okay. And like an angry bear in springtime, we will return yet again to take our share of that spawning summer. Okay, so good. So, so the band's not broken up, and of course, no, no, not at all. It's just dormant. We got back together, and that's it. But I, I uh, my solo career is is my main thing in my life. That's I'm a professional singer, and uh, everybody else does different things. So it's just difficult to get the four guys together in one place for any length of time. So it's not that we're we're not doing anything. We are doing something. But we're doing it at a quiet, at a very slow pace.
2: Gotcha. Um, we'll quickly remind folks that you're in uh, Montreal, October tenth at the Fufun Foo Electric. Uh, October eleventh, it's Quebec City at La Gite. October thirteenth, Mavericks in Ottawa. The Mansion in Kingston on October fourteenth. Rockpile East or East Side in London on uh, October sixteenth, and at the Hard Rock Cafe Toronto on October seventeenth. And then the last question is. Um, in uh, November, November first, you're at Festival Vouziers in Vouziers, France, and it says that you're up against Paul D'iano. It's Blaze versus Paul. What exactly is that?
6: Um, that's uh, that's a headline, really, to okay. try and get people interested. And what we do is um, that we we do uh, like uh, it's it's about a couple of hours, and we both do classic songs from our era of Maiden, so Paul does the things from his albums, I do stuff from my albums with Maiden, and um, it's a really fun show, and sometimes, depending on the uh, level of Jack Daniels,
0: then (laughs) then
6: we sing a song or two together at the end, so it's a lot of fun, and uh, I, I really enjoy doing those gigs, so it's... It's nice for me, it's like a little holiday to just go back and just sing my old Maiden songs and uh, and then I, I go back and, and do my own gigs singing mostly my own material. So it's, it's really fun. Well, when I come to Canada on this trip, I'm going to do um, probably 50% of my Iron Maiden songs uh, or songs that I'm known for with Iron Maiden and 50% of songs from my own albums to kind Great. of show fans, well, this is what I'm doing now. That it's I haven't stopped since I made, I've made albums every year, live, I've got two live albums, uh, two DVDs, and I'm, I'm about to start another studio album. So I want to show people that I'm still going and hopefully people will see that, you know, my work is interesting and worthy of supporting.
2: Yeah, I, I certainly uh, think it's uh, worthy of supporting, especially since you're doing it on your own. You're doing it out of a passion. And uh, to me, that's honorable and that, that deserves support. And of course, if I come out to the show on, not not if, sorry, let me rephrase that. When I come out to the show on October 10th in Montreal, will I hear Man on the Edge?
6: Yes, yes, you will hear Man on the Edge. Will I get any tomatoes thrown at me during that song? no. And will it be you that throws them? No. Okay. M- Montreal so, fans honestly, are very respectful. Lie. That is a lie. And I know that's a lie. I can <laughs> tell with the tone of your voice. So, but if you want to come up with me and sing Man on the Edge, mate, you're welcome oh, to, I, uh, to come and sing Man on the Edge, sing the chorus with me.
2: <laughs> you know, I, I was on stage at the uh, Montreal, uh, what was it, the uh, Bell Centre with Skid Row years ago and sang back up on one song. So maybe I'll take you up on that. but. I love that song, it's so great, and uh, Montreal and and all of Quebec is Maiden territory. I I don't think the band has done better anywhere else than in this province, so uh, you're going to be well received.
6: Oh, I'm really excited about it, and uh, a huge thank you to all of the fans who've bought tickets already, and uh, I can't wait to get there and I'll be doing the absolute best that I can. got a great band together, and I think these are going to be some great shows, and hopefully it's the start of a regular visit. Absolutely, Absolutely. and I hope that too.
2: And, Blaze, absolute absolute pleasure talking to you. So so thank you, you. and uh, we'll see you in a couple of
6: weeks. Thank you. I'll get dressed now, yeah? (laughs) Yeah, me too. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye now. All right, bye-bye. Cheers.
1: That was Mitch's interview with Blaze Bailey. Good stuff, Mitch. Thanks for sharing these interviews with the Talking Metal listeners here.
2: Yeah, absolutely, my pleasure. Uh, you know, I, I think those guys deserve to be heard, and I think uh, the more that we can get the word out there and, and let people hear their their version of the events with Maiden and what they're doing now, the better. So, so thank you for actually uh, taking them and, and, uh, and letting them live another day.
1: Yes, absolutely. And so when you saw Blaze, he, he did songs like "Fear of the Dark," which absolutely. is a song that was, you know, pre-Blaze era uh-huh. of of Maiden. And so he's really embracing, I guess, that song and any of the other older Maiden songs. Oh you yeah, recognized did, uh, in the set list.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, let's say it was a couple of weeks ago, but he did uh, "Trooper." Oh wow! And uh, he did "Man on the Edge," and what else did he? Oh, he did uh, "Running Free." Oh, cool cool um, piano
1: era nice
2: yeah he he covered all the bases now my memory's a little uh thin because this was a couple of weeks ago but right, right. yeah the, the, Still, there was like yeah. seven or eight in a row at the end and you went oh he's done great and then boom fear of the dark and you go whoa fear of the yeah. dark not right. expecting that that's not a blaze song and then of course running free and you go huh not a bruise song all right, right. Um, no, uh, it, it was fantastic. The energy was fantastic. I and mean, it was
1: a good turnout, right? You said the, the place was pretty filled.
2: It, it was pretty. Yeah, it was full. Um, it was at the Fufun Electrique in Montreal, which, believe it or not, means the electric ass. Wow. Um, that's the name of the club. That's what Fufoons are. And uh, at the Electric Ass in Montreal, about seven hundred people can show up uh, for a show, and this must have been easily six hundred and fifty. Wow. If not, if not the full seven. So, yeah, jammed.
1: Wow. I, I I, mean, honestly, I'm surprised. I mean, that's great news.
2: Well, I think the a lot of the credit goes to the promoter as well. The uh, promoter said and advertised that this show was going to start at 930. And, and they talked about Blaze was going to sign stuff. And everything was said and done and happened as it was supposed to happen. And, uh, you know, kudos to the promoter for having him in. Kudos to Blaze for being so open to meeting everybody, uh, running the show on time, and then playing, I believe it was something like 21 songs or something. It was, like, yeah. it was about two hours, two two hours and ten minutes. I mean, it was, it was long, but it didn't feel long. Even after the two hours, you went, all right, give me some more. I'm, I'm ready for some more. Yeah. Because that, that pickup of those seven Maiden songs at the end the classic maiden songs because there were uh, Virtual X and other songs, uh what was the other album, X Factor or whatever? Uh
1: um, yeah, the X Factor was was their tenth record, their first right. with Blaze, and then Virtual Eleven was the the yeah. second record with with Blaze on um, yeah, I mean, his eleventh record.
2: Yeah. He had that stuff peppered in throughout the set and um uh, you know, so so there was maiden content up front too, but at that end it was just brilliant. And you know, the other thing that was brilliant, he's that he's got a package called, uh, you know, sort of a 30th anniversary Blaze Bailey CD that he sells mm-hmm. at the show. It's two discs. It's about roughly about 40 songs and he charges you $15 Canadian for it, which these days with the exchange rate is about $12 American for a double CD, full booklet, a slipcase, the whole thing. I mean, Blaze is not out to rip you off and. I'm just as a KISS fan, I go, Wow, I'm so used to getting ripped off that Yeah. What what are you doing, Blaze? You're 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 throwing off my, my perception of what a rock star should be. So no so so great night. And uh and
1: you know, he talks about in the interview that you uh, that you guys just heard, he talks about the album S- Silicon Messiah, which is an yeah. album, I, I actually was, it was completely off my radar in the year 2000 when it came out. But after hearing Mitch's interview, I went to my uh, Spotify and added it on and wow, that's a great record. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Stuff. Yeah. Stuff. So, he's, so. he's been putting out records pretty consistently ever since leaving Maiden. Uh, Silicon Messiah in 2000, Tenth 10th Dimension, 2002, Blood and Belief, 2004, The Man Who Would Not Die, uh, 2008, Promise and Terror, 2010, The King of Metal, 2012. So, I mean, this guy's staying busy with new material.
2: Yeah, and doing it independently. It's basically him and his family that get these CDs out. They put all in the you know the blood sweat and tears everything. There's no record companies. It's a sort of a one family show. You listen, good for Blaze. Really yeah. good for Blaze.
1: Yeah, and I mean, if there's somebody you're going to support, somebody that needs support, I, I you know give it to Blaze. Go pay for one of his CDs, buy his music. Uh, this guy is out there working it, and I think he. Uh, delivering and delivering, oh, yeah. and delivering. I, mean, I mean you're you're really supporting a, a, a true artist who is absolutely delivering great heavy metal music
2: yeah and the and the show is not a letdown you, you don't get out there and go oh he played 12 songs and went home uh no I mean it, it was worth the I think the Montreal tickets were 20 or 25 dollars most people would have paid 75 walking out of there after what they saw Money. So. I need
1: to need to see his, his solo tour. I hope he comes through uh, New York or New Jersey soon. Hey, Mitch, of course, before we let you go, before we end today's episode, you are here on Talking Metal, episode 502. I always have to ask you a little bit about KISS. And I'm going out to Las Vegas in less than a month to uh, check out one of the, the shows at the Hard Rock Casino right. out there, the joint, I guess it's called. What are you thinking? Are you, are you thinking it's going to be the same set list every single night or you think they'll be mixing it up a little bit? you think they um, should expect surprises or do you think it'll just be the mainstream songs that they figure the drunk casino gamblers are going to want to hear?
2: No, I think there's going to be sort of a skeleton set list that, you know, you're probably going to hear rock and roll all night. You're probably going to hear Detroit Rock City and 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 those ones that you really can't take out of the set. But I, I think they'll mix it up. But of course, you know, with with the vocal issues that that Paul Stanley has been having, I don't think he can go too deep into the catalog. I don't think he can do a lot of the 80s stuff. But I think you are going to get some surprises. It, it doesn't make sense to go to Vegas, whether you're Guns N' Roses, Def Leppard, Kiss, uh, Ozzy, or whoever, and not throw in a few extras because... right. I think that could be a career that would, I think that could be career suicide. If you do eight or nine or 10 shows in a row and you play the same 15 songs, I, I think fans would just go, all right, all right that's it. We're done. Thank yeah. you. We're done. So no, I, I think it'll sort of be like the kiss cruise, but on land.
1: Yeah. I mean, cause the Def Leppard, uh, kiss tour, we didn't really get, they didn't really go too deep. I mean, we had what was, uh, hide your heart, right? They played that. But besides that, there wasn't anything real,
2: no, there was nothing. Oh there was nothing gosh. deep, yeah. and what was more striking about that is that here is the 40th anniversary tour celebrating 40 years of music, and they played 14 songs, pretty much all from the 70s, uh, except for "Hide Your Heart," and you're like, "Wow." <laughs> 40th anniversary tour could you maybe get the like 20 songs and throw in a couple from the 90s and a couple from the 80s just to let everybody be part of the celebration not just us 45 46 47 year old geezers that go oh yeah we remember 1978 because a lot of their fans don't but listen that's that's, and nothing off of
1: monster or sonic boom of course no Two albums that i i know a lot of kiss fans don't like those records i I am a fan of those records i really would love to hear some songs off of those records
2: but i I, and i go i'll go back to i'll I'll belabor the point but it's a 40th anniversary whether you like the elder whether you like uh, carnival of souls whether you like monster those songs should have been represented in a 40th anniversary set yeah yeah agreed agreed but hey it's still the 40th anniversary tour they're in vegas perhaps this is where you get the payoff and the treats all right
1: well i'll let you know we got great seats right up front so we are looking forward to that i'm, I'm gonna be there 48 hours seeing two shows in 48 hours i'm seeing kiss and then uh red dragon cartel which should be fun to see jakey lee i haven't seen him since uh the ultimate sin tour back in like 1986, so I'm excited for that too. Wow,
2: uh, that'll be fun! And by the way, just quickly on Blaze and uh, Paul in Europe, they are touring together—a tour called Blaze versus Paul—and uh, they're doing these back-and-forth maiden sets and stuff. I would love to see that come to North America. And again, if that could show up at Heavy Montreal on that third stage, which is out—you know, off to the side—I think that would be brilliant.
1: Yeah, that would be a lot of fun definitely. Heavy Montreal. I plan to be there this August, yes. August 2015. Great stuff. All right, Mitch, well, thank you for joining us again on Talking Metal. We hope to have you back real soon. Absolutely. In the meantime, uh, guys, check Mitch out on One on One with Le- Mitch Lafon, a podcast that I actually am a part of uh, quite frequently. We just actually posted a a video interview that Mitch did with Jason Becker, which is, this is a real special episode. Uh, we have it linked through talkingmetal.com. It's on Mitch's YouTube page. Uh, Mitch, what is your YouTube page?
2: That's a good question. Uh, it's uh, a, <laughs> it's uh, youtube.com angel of ace.
1: Okay. Well, we'll have that linked. It's a, it's a great chat with Jason who does all his, his speaking basically through his father. It's really kind of, an incredible thing to watch so definitely do yourself a favor if you were ever a fan of jason becker uh with his david lee ross stuff or the cacophony stuff or his solo stuff you need to check this out and even if you weren't a fan and you want to just kind of get educated to who he was i recommend you check out one-on-one with mitch lafon episode i think 62 62,
2: correct yeah Yeah, man jason becker great stuff yeah And, of course, head over to jasonbeckerguitars.com. So there you go.
1: That'll do it for today. Remember to support Squarespace. Use that offer code METAL. When you're checking out, you'll get 10% off. And we will see you next time on Talking Metal. Thanks, Mitch. Thank you. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.